I know the situation is less than ideal, but I am having a dental emergency. No, he's having a dental emergency. It's Manson Mitchell on the weekend with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to power up your day. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Happy weekend. Happy Saturday to you, everyone, wherever you may be. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Manson Mitchell in your years for the hour. And oh, such a show we're going to have today. You can't believe the talent we brought once again with our good friend, Lauren Archer. She's a friend, too. Not just a friend of the show. She's a friend in life. So we always like to extract. Oh, I shouldn't have used that word. Oh, I want to hear that. <laughs> there you He's go. He's having a dental emergency. Yeah. So on the, I think I'm on the far side of it. I think he said cautiously optimistic there. So um, we'll talk about that in a moment. But I, I'm always thrilled with Lauren because she's a great guest host. There, when she comes on, she's a great interview. She is solid, and we will be bringing her on air very shortly. But first, let's say hello to the man who keeps us on the air, as adept as he is, and with that charming, upbeat personality of his. I'm talking about Nathan Miller, but we like to call him Nathan Detroit. Well, I apparently hit the wrong button, and the audio wouldn't <laughs> <Okay>. play. <laughs> so today, so today he's let's Nathan try that reintroduction Cincinnati. again here. <laughs> and I gotta say, Gary, your intuition is leaking a little bit. That's not the only thing leaking. <laughs> this uh, long and the short of it is, I now am the only person I have ever met. I guess you one meets oneself. Yeah, one meets oneself in various circumstances in life. And uh, during the past almost two weeks now, I've had, and generally speaking, I don't want you folks to think that I've got teeth like a jack-o'-lantern. There, my dental health has been not so bad. Oh, excellent. I was lucky. Excellent. Within the last two weeks, boom, 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 these these dental Mm. emergencies cropped up. I'm not out of the woods yet there, but I had... A root canal on Wednesday and on Thursday, an emergency tooth extraction, different tooth next door there and pills. I've never taken so many pills. I know we counted eight last night. Unbelievable. (laughs) Although I'm getting to be a connoisseur of pudding (laughs) (laughs) or some good soft serve ice cream. Yeah, that's right. Even no, ice cream is too too cold. cold. (laughs) It 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 would hit that affected area and I'd be in orbit. There, so uh, let me say this: you folks out there, there must be at least a few listening to us now who have battled migraine, where it becomes a chronic condition. I don't know how you do it to get through that, to deal with it. You can have life going smoothly, swimmingly, and you're happy as can be. You get some tooth pain going; it becomes the only thing you think about until the issue is resolved. And in my case, I mean. There I have a wonderful dentist, a wonderful endodontist. They were consulting with each other. We got the pharmacy involved as well. It was quite the three-ring circus 
there. And long story short, I'm pulling out of it. I feel like myself for the first time in almost two weeks, and it has been an ordeal. So those of you who are in any sort of physical pain, particularly chronic pain, my heart goes out to you because there are times in life when you're up against it and you need all the support you can get. So that that's why we played the drop there. Suzanne, thanks to Suzanne with her, her wicked sense of humor. Yeah. And I'm feeling much better. You know, you and sent they, that to me like three months ago, I want to say. And I was like, what the heck are they going to use this for? Are they going to have a dentist on the show or something like that? <laughs> now I know why. I mean, Gary, when I was saying your intuition is leaking, I think you might have been onto something there when you submitted those i've certainly been on something a few somethings i could tell you that and how about that for a self-fulfilling prophecy (laughs) whatever it is it's made you a lot better at puns i can say that that's right if that's any improvement (laughs) i should apologize in advance there's so good to be with nathan once again of a saturday and as earlier mentioned lauren archer joins us now an extraordinary woman of consciousness of grace of ethical rectitude and uh, she knows how to hold a conversation too hence our invitation yet again lauren archer goes back uh her first interview was our first interview on air we are in our 17th year and right now we had a 16 year anniversary in march and she was on with us in 2007 today is her 20th visit her 20th time that she has been with us. So people should be very familiar with her. She was also an early sponsor of our show. And we are are thrilled to know her through our growth and her growth in what each of us is doing. Lauren Archer is a mindfulness trainer, hypnotherapist, and heart math coach with over 30 years of experience. And think how many years we've known her. In addition to her private practice, Lauren currently serves as direct executive director of Kinship Earth, a nonprofit networking organization where she hosts a series of events called Kinship Earth Connections for evolutionary leaders who are committed to transforming global consciousness. Her book is called Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits and has been updated and is being re-released and her YouTube channel is getting tens of thousands of views. We will talk about how to reach Lauren Archer at the bottom of the hour, but right now for her 20th time, she's into a whole other stratosphere of guests. We want to welcome back Lauren Archer. Good to have you with us today, Lauren. Oh, Susanna, Gary, it's just such an honor to be with you. I always love our time together. Thanks for having me. Delighted. We were and concerned. Gary, I'm so sorry to hear about yeah. the pain you're going through. And I will say, you know, as someone who has gone through various bouts of chronic pain, I had two surgeries last year. I, I will say, number one, you're right. You, your heart goes out to people who deal with this day in, day out. All of a sudden, I think there's more empathy for how mm. debilitating that can be and how it completely takes your focus. And number two, uh, I'm super grateful for modern medicine and uh, the ability to have at least uh, temporary pain relief uh, through some of these medications. So I'm glad that you're on just approaching the other side of the pain. Thank you. That was, well, thank you very much for that kind sentiment. Also, you're, you're giving me a bit of an opening as we get started, and I didn't expect that it would go this way, but I think it needs to be said. This is something of an unofficial public service announcement. It is stereotypical in the year 2023, and it's been true for a while. People are, oh, root canal, oh, to go through that. 
If that's the thought in your mind when you're dealing with your own dental issues, this is everybody I'm talking to. Throw that away. Throw that concept away. I am telling you the truth. Root, I am telling you the tooth there, and that is that root canal is no big deal. Dentistry and endodontics, particularly regarding the uh, the issue of dealing with root canal, it's just not painful. They have eliminated pain from the equation of the experience of having that procedure. It's stunning to me because, you know, people say root canal when they want to associate what you're saying with pain. Oh, my God, it was like root canal. Forget about it. By the time you're done there, you go, well, when is the pain supposed to arrive? You may need to treat it afterward, take a few aspirin in your case. I didn't even have to do that there. But in terms of root canal, if you ever need that, don't hesitate because trust me on this, the procedure itself doesn't even take very long anymore. It's like getting a big filling. It's like it's like dealing with a big cavity, essentially. And they make sure that you are so numb that you're on that side of your face, it feels like a basketball. And if you need to take something to relax you, if you have some anxiety, it's perfectly okay. They'll provide it there. And they do work efficiently to such an extent that I think root canal ought to lose its status as an indicator of pain for the procedure itself. It's like a modern miracle. If you need one, don't wait, because if you wait, you want to talk about pain. Now, that's where you get the pain. Delay is disaster when it comes to dental care, I think. I think you can send what you just said to your dentist, have your dentist (laughs) as a a marketing spot. That was very well articulated. (laughs) That was our public service announcement for the day. Lauren, I I have to start out in the thing that has really caught my attention, and that was your YouTube channel. Your YouTube channel, tens of thousands of views on what you're doing there. Please let our listeners know what you're up to on YouTube. Well, it's interesting because I produced a lot of these audios years ago uh, when I was living in a different location. I had my own studio at the time. And so I did a lot of my own music production and um, they had been just, just been, well, actually they were CDs. You guys remember I had them as CDs. Well, still you know, have them, still play them. Yep. And I remember, you know, I used to give cassettes to <laughs> some of my clients. I'm totally dating myself here. Um, but then um, a few years ago, I decided, well, let, let me just upload them and make them available for free to my clients and to people who want them. Didn't really think much of it. And the one that has really become super popular is hypnosis for pre-surgery, or I think I call it hypnotic journey to pre-surgery. And people have been really loving it because, you know, the root canal conversation here, there's a lot of anxiety uh, around, you know, getting prepared for a medical procedure. So I created this program and wasn't really paying attention. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing these comments from people saying, you know, it was, I I really love your program. I had heart surgery and it just made me so much calmer, Um, really wonderful comments. And then I'm getting comments that it's getting interrupted by ads. And I thought, wait, what, how is this happening? I, you know, I didn't think I was big enough to even be getting ads on my programs. And um, 
So now I've just made them all available uh, to download ad-free on my website for $2.99 because um, there, you know, apparently is a demand out there. So that's just a little quick overview. I that love is that. wonderful. I, yeah. How how many do you have available? Do you know? There's about 12, I think. Let's see. One, two, three, four. There's well, really nine guided visualization and then two educational programs. Um, okay. Yeah. So well, it, what this yeah. is inspiring me to do, though, is is to create more. Quite honestly, I haven't wanted to take the time uh, or the bother to create new programs because I'm creating new programs you know, every week for my clients. I create them custom for the people who come in to see me. So I'm always producing new material, but it's very targeted for each individual and creating something for a general audience. Um, you know, it's a little bit more time consuming. So I'm inspired. I'm going to be probably producing some new stuff soon. And um, anyway, yeah. Well, I, I like that idea also that there are so many hits on YouTube that people will naturally try to find you on the internet. And then right. they'll see where they can get them ad free. And so it makes sense to me that you would do some more of those because, you know, people will may want the ad free version of what it right. is that that you're doing. On, and I haven't you know, pushed it yeah. too much because it, it, there's only one of me and I haven't been trying to grow my private practice too big uh, because, as you mentioned in the introduction, um, my passion is really about helping people elevate their consciousness, helping the planet elevate our consciousness to more love, to more appreciation, to more possibility. And I like working on a global level. So um, anyway, so that's why I haven't been uh, trying to to advertise really to build my private practice. Mm. I will see clients that come find me uh, and a lot of them are local in the, the Pacific Northwest here. But I do get people that find me on YouTube and say, hey, could you make something custom for me? And we can definitely do that through a Zoom call, which is kind of nice. You anticipated, as you usually do, the next place that I was heading. And that is the last uh, time or two that we had you on. I think it was uh, a year ago in August. Uh, we were talking about kinship earth, like what it is and, and what you're doing with them. It's not quite a year since we talked about it on air, but uh, a little update on kinship earth would be good as well for anybody that, that may have missed that show or, or some new listeners. What is kinship earth and, and what are you doing with them? Well, Kinship Earth is an impact network. So we network with heart-centered change makers and earth advocates and evolutionary leaders who are doing individual and collective projects to help elevate consciousness on planet Earth. So we work with a lot of leaders in regeneration, in um, uh, refi, so um, re- uh, refinance different ways to think about finance and governance to that's more equitable and fair. And so I've been creating a monthly networking group and interviewing much like you guys do interviews for your guests. I've been interviewing some wonderful people and posting them on the Kinship Earth YouTube channel. And we are actually going to be 
taking on a major project soon and uh, the ink is not yet dry, but we're creating a fund where, where we're going to be able to be giving grants to organizations that are doing really phenomenal work in the world and helping them to increase their donor base, increase their access to technology, uh, to make more of a positive impact and increase um, you know, their, their ability to achieve their mission. So it's just been such an honor to be in this place. And, you know, we have talked in the past a little bit about the law of attraction and, um, you know, manifesting what you want. And this being in this position in this organization for me has very much been um, a part of what I call a surrender experiment. I was inspired by Michael Singer, who wrote, um, the untethered soul. And uh, I think it was the surrender experiment. And then also by the work of David Hawkins, who uh, writes extensively about letting go and surrender. And it's this notion of recognizing that of ourselves, you know, we can only achieve so much, but when we open up our consciousness and our hearts to being a, a cooperative component in the universe, uh, things can appear in our sphere of influence. Opportunities can show up in front of us that we never would have dreamed of. I never would have necessarily set out to say, I want to be the executive director of a nonprofit organization. But the opportunity was presented to me. And I am just in love with the people and with the mission and with the potential. So um, for anyone who is uh, inspired by that, I would encourage you to do a little surrender experiment. What I did with the universe, I said a little kind of mini prayer. I said, okay, universe, you know my heart, you know my skills, you know my talents. Put me in the right position. And then one thing led to another and I found myself here. So it's been uh, just a joy and a passion. I want to stop and commend you for that. Lauren, I think that people need to understand. They, they ought to put that on a sticky note somewhere, maybe the mirror in the morning, and, and look at that and contemplate it. This idea that the universe, in all its material vastness, nevertheless, people like us who take the metaphysical point of view, at its core is a spiritual overarching entity, a spiritual reality that manifests physically in endless ways. And for the universe to know who Lauren Archer is, what she brings to the table, what her skills are, what her particular talents are, what her motivations are, and then to receive a request from Lauren, this is an invitation. Put me in the place where I belong, where I can do the most good and where I can derive the most satisfaction from this incarnation on earth. The universe never says no. That was so well articulated, Gary. I really appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, when you open up to possibilities and stop trying to know what the outcome is, stop trying to force any particular outcome and, and just uh, enjoy the process, it can be so rewarding. With Kinship Earth um, and the expansion of global consciousness, is there any particular thread or threads that you're looking at? Is it, for example, having to do with, say, climate change or social justice? Or or is there a particular angle which Kinship Earth 
is bringing people together to work on? Well, interestingly, if you take a look at the notion of kinship earth, right? What is What does it mean to be in kinship with the earth? It means recognizing the interrelatedness of all life. So inter, you know, being kin with our fellow human beings that we are, are all ultimately connected, but also with all life forms. And my philosophy, in fact, when I was in my when I was in my 20s, I had a, a little moment. I used to work in corporate communications. So I do bring those skills to the table. I love communications. I love design. I love media. I love producing. And uh, but at the time I was I was in the back of a dark hotel ballroom at a national sales meeting for one of our clients. And we were in this beautiful resort, but I couldn't see the resort because I was spending all my time indoors. And this particular event was for a pharmaceutical sales company. And I remember watching as they paraded one of the sales reps across the stage and handed him his annual bonus check, which at the time was more than my annual salary. And that event made an impression on me. I thought, huh, (laughs) I I didn't know people could earn bonus checks (laughs) for that large of an amount of money, right? And yeah. and so it it begged the question, you know, what do I want to do with this one precious life energy? Do I want to invest my time and energy helping pharmaceutical salespeople get richer? Do I want to become a pharmaceutical sales rep? Is it important to me to have more money? What what can I really take with me? What what does it mean to be you know, to to do something with my life? What am I going to have at the end of my life? How am I going to measure my success? So all of those questions really set up this quest within me. And it set me off on a journey of discovery and exploration. And so through, you know, studying uh, all the motivational sales materials uh, that were just emerging back then, this was the 1980s. And then I started studying with different spiritual traditions. I had the privilege of working with uh, a Lakota medicine man and studying some of the native indigenous ways, which were really all about uh, kinship, that we are one with nature and that whatever we do to the web of life, as Chief Seattle said, we do to ourselves. And then I studied with uh, various metaphysical organizations, Unity, Unitarian Church, Church of Religious Science, the School of Metaphysics, uh, understanding more about how our thoughts and our energy influences the world around us. And ultimately, I came to the conclusion after many years of study and exploration that the most important thing for me, at least, that I can do is to use my skills and talents in service of the higher good to help elevate the understanding of our interconnectedness. Because I believe that when we understand that, then we will behave differently. When someone doesn't think that they're connected, that you know, that their actions have no consequence on the earth, they're more likely to be extractive and damaging to Mother Earth. But when you sense the the interconnectedness and interrelatedness, you show up differently, you you behave differently, you might invest differently, you might buy different things or less things, and choose to live your life in a way that's more harmonious. So for me, that's the underlying thread with Kinship Earth is, is helping people understand their interrelatedness with all life, and then how they can support organizations and individuals that are 
being part of the solution, not part of the problem. I'll tell you why that is um, just absolutely amazing what you just said yesterday on television. There was a commercial for the geography of bliss. Ooh. And that is, and, and Gary, I don't know if you can help me if you were even in the room or not, but there is a, a, a television show which somebody was traveling the world finding the happiest people all over the world and what made them happy. And what the conclusion was after this extensive travel trip to small villages, Iceland, like all over the world, the conclusion was that happiness was based on connection, Mm. connecting with one another, and that those were the happiest people on earth who were in community with other people. You don't happen to remember who that was, do you? I do happen to remember. Uh, Let me note, first of all, that I have been in love with a woman for 20 years and counting with a woman who doesn't even know whether or not I'm in the room. So there's that problem to fix. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a dentist on earth that can fix that one. There's so (laughs) we'll deal with that later there. But yes, this idea of, of bliss, finding, finding another way. And it is the famous Rain Wilson from the office and other project. When you see him in this context, when he talks about this search that he, and he belongs to the Baha'i faith, he takes his spirituality very seriously. And for him to talk about it in that way, he showed people in this interview that there is a pathway to joy. There is another way to do life that doesn't involve being embroiled in constant controversy in worrying your way through life. You can actually have fun being in this body with your mind at this time in the history of Earth and be fully participatory in ways that might look strange to North Americans, but not where they live. And he went out to find out about that and he discovered it and he wants people to know about it. Beautiful. Thank that reminds you. me of the book Solve for Happy, right? It's like yes, define yes. what is happiness. And it's it's never about the stuff. Cause how many, how many articles have we read and, and research have we found about people who achieve all these external measures of success yes, and they're right. still not happy? Right. right. Because it, it's empty. And so how do we find that happiness from within? And it is all about connection. And I, fl- I and I believe, too, um, being in service in some way uh, to the greater good, which so you guys are doing all the time. Yes, we are. And so Kinship Earth in raising consciousness is it has part of that has to do with people connecting with other people yes, and, and, and raising the consciousness in that way, not in isolation on an Island by yourself, but how do you, how do you do this with other people? Well, that, that really was interesting to me, Lauren. I, I appreciate your talking about that. And just know that rain Wilson is right there with you doing the geography of bliss, <laughs> I love which it. is, is great that there is this, different way of being this different way of looking at things that does not have to be 
conflict that it can now, be. Speaking of geography, I yeah. know we're probably coming up towards. Uh, we are. So I, I want to plant the seed uh, uh-huh. that I have a model that I use when I talk about some of the work that I do with people and changing consciousness from the inside out. And it's an architectural model. So when you said the geography of bliss, that made me think about this model of architecture. So I'd love to weave that in when we come back. When we come back, we are going to talk about that architecture. We also might learn a couple of lessons from the six-word lessons on changing habits, uh, 100 lessons to stop self-sabotage and gain self-mastery. We'll talk about that, how people can connect with you, and what else is going on. But in the meantime, we'll take a brief break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. And thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell this morning. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Jeffrey Mark, the walking encyclopedia of Hollywood history, who recalls the years when classic movie stars kept America's morale high during World War II. On Saturday, Harriet Baskus returns with selections from her book, 111 Places in Seattle That You Must Not Miss. We'll get to as many as we can. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Lauren Archer and we are thrilled that uh, Lauren Archer has today made 20 visits to our show always with really great information. We've been talking about her YouTube. We've been talking about Kinship Earth. We've been talking about her book, Six Word Lessons on Changing Habits. Lauren, if people would like to know more about you, about anything with what it is that you're doing, where are the best places that they can find you? 
The best place would be on my website at laurenarcher.live. So that's .live. And there you'll find links to my YouTube channel, to uh, my downloadable audios, to the book and all of that. So thank you for the mention, Suzanne. Absolutely. Lauren Archer Live. Now, before we went on break, you said you were going to talk about architecture. So I'm going to let you go ahead and and talk about that now if you're ready. I am. Well, it's interesting because we can all wrap our brains around what what is an architectural structure, right? We have our physical architecture. We each have a body, right? Our skeletons, bones, you know, organs, tissues, cells, and that's influenced by our genetics, our DNA, and also by diet and exercise. We have, you know, a certain amount of control we we can have over that. But in addition to our physical architectural structure, you can imagine that we also have an invisible architectural structure. And that is made up of all the thoughts you've ever thought and all the feelings you've ever felt, your beliefs and values, the impressions you received as a child, even pre-verbally about like the emotional climate or what you believe your relationship is to the world around you, the assumptions that you've made, the, the conclusions that you've drawn from your life experience. All of that creates this invisible architectural structure. It's like a, you can think of it maybe like your aura or your energetic field. And it's it's through this that we experience the world. And usually when someone comes to see me, it's because intellectually they understand that they want to be showing up differently in life. Maybe they want to be exercising more, or they want to be, you know, stopping smoking, or they want to be more confident in their career, or they want to find their sense of purpose if they're feeling lost. And they they know that intellectually, but they can't seem to do that by themselves because there's something in that invisible architectural structure that's getting in the way. So you can think of it like, a room that's too small or too cluttered, or maybe there's a wall where there wants to be a doorway or a window. And so I look at my role, my work with individuals is to help them identify and understand what is in that invisible architectural structure that feels like it's holding them back. And then we do the work through hypnosis and coaching and different body-centered practices like heart math uh, to dissolve some of those blocking structures. And then more importantly, to recreate the kind of internal architecture that would allow them to feel a hundred percent better in life. It's like, how do you want to show up? How do you want your, your field to be? And so it it's very effective, usually quicker than uh, talk therapy because talk therapy is again, it's staying up in that intellectual realm. This is working on the energetics. It's working with the body. It's working with emotions. It's working with, again, what I call that invisible architectural structure. So when you mentioned the geography of bliss, my mind immediately went there. It's like, oh yeah, that's how I set things too, that we have this, this geography, this architecture that creates who we are and it's, it can be changed. It's fluid. I like that you said recreate because when we try to release a habit, <clears throat> smoking, eating, you know, whatever that habit or addiction might be, you can't just leave the empty space. The empty space is going to be filled with something. 
And so when you say recreate, then I, I, I hear we're not just going to let something go. We're going to put something in its place. Does, yes. that, make, does that make sense to you? It does. Yes. One of my lessons is habits are not broken. They are replaced. And so, for example, if you are not smoking a cigarette, what are you doing? Are your hands resting quietly in your lap? Is your mouth feeling empty? Are you breathing? If you're not emotionally eating at night, what are you doing? Are you sitting calmly, sipping a cup of tea, taking some deep breaths, stretching on the floor? So yes, having that uh, replacement habit or activity in mind uh, can help the brain rewrite those neural pathways because otherwise, well, you know, a lot of habits too are a response to stress. And so when people get stressed, they default to habit or uh, to routine. And so it's recreating that and what hypnosis and hypnotherapy and other kinds of closed eye processes can do is help people really imagine a different way of being. And once the brain can imagine that, and then the body can sense and feel what that may be like, then it's easier to cross that chasm into the new way of being. What's the difference between a habit and an addiction? It's a slippery slope. Uh, an addiction is continuing to do something that you don't want, that you can't seem to stop, even though you know the negative consequences. Uh, but they are very similar. And a lot of people over uh, over analyze or over uh, identify with this notion of having an, you know, I have an addictive personality type, uh, or they, you know, they, they, they claim that they're addicted to something. And often if we, if we reframe that and we say, it's really just a habit, it is just something that you learned as an escape. And then you can reframe how you show up in terms of creating a new habit. It can be easier. So it's kind of taking the stigma out of it, not to minimize addiction because it, it can be devastating. Uh, and yet I think the tips in my little book, uh, six word lessons on changing habits can be helpful to, for people to uplift themselves out of those habitual patterns and open up to new ways of showing up in life. One of them that I particularly like is number 64, strengthen your will with easy tasks. Mm. You're trying to change a habit, but you want to, you want to have, you want to have some success. Mm -hmm. And and so I know when I have a to-do list that's too long, there are experts in the field that say, start with the hardest thing first but I know for me, I'm kind of building a muscle. If I start with a few easy things and then I pat myself on the back and say, good job, keep going and get into some harder things. And so I, I like the idea of, of, of being able to feel mastery over yourself by getting a few easy things done. Yes, that's huge. And that's where we, we get into the, the character development of habit change. It, it's really quite soulful when you look at making a decision to do something and then overcoming your own self. And the, the opposite of that is true. When when you when you set your mind to do something, when you say I'm gonna I'm gonna change this habit, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna exercise for 20 minutes a day, 
and then you don't do that, what you set up is an internal conflict. And then you also lose credibility with yourself and you're out of integrity. And when you're out of integrity with yourself, that is like a wound in your, in your heart, in your soul. And suddenly you, you don't trust yourself as much. Uh, you're, you're not feeling as good about yourself. Uh, and, and then you do things to try to stuff that and because you don't, nobody wants to look at that. So this notion of strengthening your will with easy tasks is, uh, a way to begin to overcome that. And, um, I think a couple lessons before that is, is one of my favorites. And it was something that was taught to me by one of my teachers, uh, Stuart Wilde, the late great Stuart Wilde, who, uh, was just an amazing, uh, human being. He he said that your word is law. So I in my lesson, it's your spoken word is your law. So that means two things. It means number one, if you say it, follow through on it. And it also means number two, don't say it if you're not going to do it. Don't put yourself out there and say, I'm going to exercise 20 minutes a day if you're not really committed to doing that. So starting with something really easy so that you can begin to build that sense of inner strength and character. Yeah. I know in, in various fields, the military is great for this, but it would be, I'm sure across the, the uh, sciences and allied health fields, et cetera, et cetera. It's good to rely on your training. Because I think what, this feeling of anxiety, not knowing what to do, it just threatens to plunge whatever enterprise in which you are engaged into chaos. But you get it drummed into your head. Go back to your training. That's why we taught you this, whatever it may be. And when you rely on your training, I think there's an instant feeling of either grasping control, of restoring control, or staying in control as you do purposeful things. So true. So true. And and the brain defaults to habit and training in stressful circumstances. And so you want to begin to do these little mini training exercises. And I've got a, quite a few of them in the book uh, to begin to strengthen your will and train your mind when you're not under stress. So and make it fun, make it simple and set your mind up. So even training yourself to ask different questions. Focusing on uh, what is it, you know, what's possible here instead of why me? Why do I always do this? Why am I not, you know, good enough to retrain your brain to start asking different questions? Uh, like, where's the gift in this? Where's the blessing in this curse? You're right on, Gary. Um, I, I made a note to myself about set up a game to win. And that isn't one of your numbers. I just made that note under strengthen your will with easy tasks is that sometimes we set ourselves up to lose. And then, as you said, then we're kind of beating ourselves up. But um, if if you can set up a, a few things to win, you know, make sure that the game that you're playing is a game that you will win. And, and, yes. and, and so you don't, if you, if you set up yourself, when, I, when I feel really strong, really powerful, lots of good energy, I'll put 10 to 15 things on a list to do. And, and that's like, I'm a tiger today. So I'm going to do this when I'm feeling tired, weak, 
not have a lot of energy and I don't want to just fail. I'll, I'll put three things on a list. I'll say, if I can do these three things today, that's good. And, yeah. and I'll keep it simple because I don't want to put 15 things on a list, do three of them and say, look what a big failure you are. You forgot the other 12 things. So yeah. I, I think it's a, a good idea when you're, when you are changing habits or trying to make things a little bit better that you realize you're the one putting the to-do list together. Yeah, it's not coming from somewhere else. So if you're going to set up a game, set it up to win. And then I like your number 85. Congratulate yourself for every positive step. So So true. Really a little about that. Really important. Well, yeah. Setting yourself up to win. Um, There's, there's a, and I don't remember which lesson number it is, but there's a, a game. Uh, it, it's leapfrog over obstacles. So there's a leapfrog game. And if any anybody has ever played this as a child, uh, you know, a, a, one little child uh, squats down and then the other one comes up and puts their hands on their shoulder and leaps over them, right? It's a little game of leapfrog. Well, you can think about your habits like that. A lot of times, let's say you're setting yourself up to try to do something that is a challenge. So many of us put our attention on how hard it's going to be or how, you know, oh, if I'm going to the gym, I'm going to get sweaty. It's going to be hot. I'm not going to want to do that. And if you can put your attention on how you are going to feel after you have accomplished that. So it's like leapfrogging over the task itself and bringing your attention to the other side and imagining, oh my gosh, I just finished a great workout. I feel fantastic. Or Oh, I just, you know, had an entire evening. I'm going to bed now. My tummy is, is, you know, flat. I didn't overeat waking up in the morning, feeling fantastic. That's the little mind game that you can play uh, to, to make it more fun and easier for yourself. And then congratulate yourself. Hey, I did yes, it. I did, I did it. it. Self-reinforcement. Yeah. Very important. Very important. Yeah. So, and that again, all of this is character building. Um, it's not the habit itself. It's really who you're becoming, uh, having more integrity, more alignment, doing things that you're setting yourself up to do. And when that starts to shape itself inside of you, you eliminate the feelings of shame or guilt or uh, unworthiness from not being able to follow through on your own word. And then that takes you to the next level in life. What else is possible? right? It's, it's a, it's a development of your character and a sense of uh, alignment and integrity with, with who you are as a human being. I haven't referred to this in quite a while, actually, but I used to tell people with an arbitrary number, you can pick your own number, but I used to say, check your gut when you're driving to work, driving to uh, the home of your ex, of the in-laws or a it could be a doctor's appointment. Check your gut the last 500 feet before you hit the driveway. If you do that, if you're feeling tense, it's going to show up in your body. For me, a lot of it is going to be intestinal. Some people might experience it in their head. Check yourself during that last 500 feet or the last mile, whatever it is, because your body and your mind as well, they're united in one purpose at that point. They're trying to tell you, you need to address something. 
If your gut's giving you problems every time you drive to work on a Monday and you feel dread, and then you have the relief on Friday, two days off, oftentimes ruminating about what's going to come to you the following week, which you'll have to deal with, it's time to check in with yourself and then decide what needs to be done. Don't let that anxiety just sit there because it will eat you alive. So right on. And you know, people do tend to develop unproductive habits to try to stuff away those feelings. So they they may have them, but they if they're not in touch with it. So what you just said, check your gut. That's brilliant. So many of us walk around as if we're living from the neck up where our, our thoughts, our attention, our consciousness is thinking about our to-do list or what's going on in the world around us. And we're not tuned into ourselves. And I will say the work of the Institute of Heart Math, which is a body-centered practice, it teaches people to tune into their heart, into their body, into their gut, and listening to that inner wisdom, that changed my life. Because I too was one of those people who lived mostly from the neck up. I was very driven about what I was getting accomplished or who needed what from me. And when I started tuning into my own body, oh my gosh, the, the, the warning here, there should be a little bit of a warning label on that. Because as you mentioned, Gary, um, you know, maybe you, you don't want to know the information. Once you start realizing, oh, this job is always bringing up these feelings of anxiety or, Every time I come home or I deal with this particular person, this relationship in my life, oh my gosh, I'm having all kinds of tense or tight or stressful feelings. When you become aware of those feelings, you kind of have to decide that you're going to do something about it. And I would just say, start slowly. Don't make any big changes quickly. Give yourself permission to listen to the feelings and then let yourself begin to explore. Maybe, you know, talk with a friend or get a counselor or, you know, a, a career coach, take those steps slowly, just because you decide, you know, oh, I've got tension around this doesn't mean you should quit your job that day. But it is a clue. And then you can start taking some steps to really make those changes in your life. And a lot of times the changes could take months or years. And that's okay. Not only that, but when you start making changes in yourself, in yourself, it's amazing how the things around you change. Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, so indeed. it might not mean that you need to leave your job. You be different and then find out how other people start reacting to the different you that that you are. I have a story about that. It was it was the the story that ignited my my soul searching in the first place. I was about 14 years old, so freshman in high school, and I was just always self-conscious and nervous and uh, I had acne and I you know didn't think I was you know popular and I was always worried about what people were thinking and uh, through the grace of God, one of my one of my friends, uh, her name was Melissa, passed a book along to me, and it was Dr. Wayne Dyer's book, Your Erroneous Zones. And Wayne Dyer, yep, Wayne Dyer talked about uh, how worry and guilt are useless emotions, and he gave some strategies for doing this interchange work. So my little 14-year-old self, I was like, well, maybe I'll try a little experiment. So I experimented from the inside out. I thought, what if I pretend 
What if I just pretend that people like me? What if I just pretend that I'm popular? And so it was like an inner mind game. And I started acting like that. And lo and behold, my relationships changed. I had, you know, I developed deeper friendships. I started feeling more included in my community. And I, I firmly believe that that is possible on every level. And what we know too about the law of attraction and the law of harmonic resonance is when you step into a, a an expression of who you want to be, uh, exuding joy and happiness and appreciation and confidence, then it changes your vibration literally. And you tend to attract different people, opportunities and situations into your life. It's very powerful work as you both know. uh, Yes. And of course, Wayne Dyer took a metaphysical turn and that constitutes the bulk of his life's work now, especially in printed form. But I still say that Your Erroneous Zones is his best book. It was the first big book that he published. I still think I never thought that he excelled himself there. He did what he did. But Your Erroneous Zones, if you've got a copy, blow the dust off it and read it or get it on Kindle if you want to. It will help change your life in ways that are directly and immediately applicable and while I'm at it, let me throw in, and this sounds as, as homely as corn pone, but Dale Carnegie, he knew mm-hmm. a lot about people and he knew a great deal about human relationships, which is an art and a science, how to win friends and influence people. The, the title itself has become a, a bit of a joke there, but don't let that stop you. If you were to read Wayne Dyer's Your Erroneous Owns and Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. I'm telling you, you're going back in time, but you'll go forward in life. Pair those up and you're going to see major changes in your life. Right on. Classic stuff. I am so thankful for all of the wisdom teachers out there who have inspired me and so many people. Uh, I think that work is timeless and very important for where we are in our uh, growth as a civilization right now. It'd be great if more people could read that. Before we part company, I just want to say one more time that your website is laurenarcher.live. That's dot L-I-V-E dot live so that you can look at six word lessons on changing habits, kinship, earth, and anything else that Lauren has going on, especially all that good YouTube stuff that you now have available and I want to just thank you for number 20. Excellent day today. Good information and um, good information for people going forward. Always a pleasure, Lauren. We, we love you and we love having you join us. Next time, 21, it'll be Blackjack Day. There you go. <laughs> I love you both. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks for doing the good work that you do. I know you bring in some amazing people to talk about consciousness and wonderful topics, and you're making a big ripple splash of goodness out in the world. Appreciate Thank you, you, Lauren. Join us next week. We'll be back next Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here on AM 1150. Between now and then, have yourselves a great weekend and a great week ahead.